A person that starts their own business has to be a little crazy um, because why else would you do it? Because it's insane. It's so much work. You never turn it off. You, you know, I'm saying that to say that I almost every other day I'm like, what the fuck? Welcome to The Distillery, where we talk to entrepreneurs, innovators, and rule breakers about their ventures, the challenges that they face, and how they ultimately overcome them. I'm Summer Solomon, and I'm so excited today to welcome Kay Charbonnet to the podcast. Kay is the owner of Kay's Boutique. Welcome, Kay. Hello, hello. Thank you for being here. Yay. So, we were talking a little bit before we uh, got started today about your background and your journey to K's. Um, I'd love to go back there, um, but first, tell me a little bit about K's, Define K's to our listeners. Like the shop? Yeah. It is not for the faint of heart, for sure. Um, <laughs> it is a very inclusive store. We um, are... We have inclusive sizing, so that means we carry sizes extra small all the way through 3X, um, which would also be, you know, in number form, like a double zero all the way through a 24, Mm -hmm. um, which is not common in a lot of stores. We are all about women empowerment and making, or whoever shops with us, having them feel great about everything that they put on themselves. And when they, my goal is when they leave my shop, that they, one, have a better day than they had already, like, had when they walked in the store and two that whatever they purchase they really love and it really makes them feel empowered and that they can conquer whatever event they will be wearing that outfit in i can definitely attest to that having uh, visited the store walking out feeling empowered and a little bit edgier than i like to think that i really am yeah and it's a fun shop it's really fun it's a place where you can just come hang out it's always like a party in there yeah, it's it definitely fun. does yeah, feel like music's a music's loud. It's great. Feels like a party in there. Uh, I read about um, how you started K's, and I think um, if I remember correctly, you had frustrations about sh- your shopping experience uh, along Magazine Street. Yes. Um, and for our listeners who, who may not be familiar with the area, Magazine Street is um, a shopping destination yeah. area. Uh, I would say boutiques and mm-hmm. specialty shops. Um, could you tell me tell me about that? About about your experience and why and how that ultimately led you to to opening K's. Um, how your experience as a shopper. Oh, um, yeah. So I moved back to, uh, to back home to New Orleans. Um, I was living in Austin for a few years, and when mm-hmm. I came back home, um, I couldn't find a place where uh, one place where I could go and find my style. Mm-hmm. I am someone who um, likes to mix things up. Mm-hmm. So I like to mix patterns and textures and different styles. I like to take something that might be ultra feminine and lacy and girly and pearly and mix that with something super edgy mm-hmm. and almost, you know, like naughty, like something leathery or something with zippers and grommets. And um, that's always been how I've kind of ex- just dressed my entire mm-hmm. life. So in New Orleans, it's like you can either go to the place that has all of the preppy sorority stuff mm-hmm. or you can go to the shop that has every flirtily outfit you can possibly find. Um, you can go to, you know, the shop that sells the seersucker. You can go to the sex shop in the quarter that has ball gags and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and they'll have leather jackets there, but I don't necessarily feel like 
you know, the day I want to buy a leather jacket, go into a sex shop with, you know, a mannequin, like a sex doll in front of my face. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to find a shopping experience that was fun and that wasn't so uppity and like and suffocating. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to like walk into a shop, breathe, enjoy my experience and find a basic tee along with a cool moto jacket with like a really cool sexy dress and some cool earrings and, you know, enjoy the stylists that are working with me and then call it a day and go home and go out or whatever else I'm doing for the rest of the day. And I couldn't find that. And so you wanted that experience yeah. to be fun and inviting and, and yes. welcoming for, for women and for shoppers. Yeah. Um, I know that sometimes I've had experiences uh, along along the magazine um, strip that don't always feel welcoming. Right. Um, was that your, your experience as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, also being a woman of color, I experienced many a times hanging out with my white friends and being the girl that the sales associates keep more of an eye on, thinking that I'm going to steal, or just not feeling like I was rich enough to be in a certain store and um, sales associates not helping me because of that reason. Um, but... I wanted to make sure that the experience that I gave my clients was completely different from what I had experienced in New Orleans. Um, I wanted it to feel like you went to your best friend's house who has, like, a bomb-ass closet and is, like, always fun. She always, you know, she's the the fun friend. Mm -hmm. You know, she puts on the best music. She dances around. She, You know, you go through her closet. You find something really cool. And then y'all, you know, get drunk and then go out. <laughs> and that's kind of the experience I wanted to give everyone. And I also wanted it everyone to be able to do that. So mm -hmm. whether you were, you know, 5'10 and a size 2 or you're 5'4 and a size 22, I want everyone, like all your girlfriends, to be able to come in and shop with me. And at the time when I was opening, there wasn't that. Like, I, I'd, at least I didn't know where that was. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find it. We talked a little bit earlier before we got started. Um, you were originally so you're a designer by trade. Yes, and you were working um, on a line, mm -hmm. or a resort wear yes. line at the time. Um, but you, oddly enough, you'd said it wasn't really something that you would have worn. Right. Um, would you like to talk about that? Sure. So, um, not uh, growing up for me, um, not only was I, you know, a, a woman of color. Um, growing up and at a school that was predominantly white, but I also was, you know, much larger mm -hmm. um, in size and much larger, especially than all of my friends. So I didn't, uh, I never, I was never one to want to, we'd have pool parties at my house, but I wasn't one to want to be in a swimsuit around mm -hmm. my friends. Mm -hmm. So fast forwarding to when I was starting my resort line, I really loved caftans at the time and loved like flowy jackets and dresses and that kind of I had this idea I think I wanted to like live in Morocco or something <laughs> and so then I got on this caftan thing and then started designing resort wear and what's so funny about it is that I don't go to the beach I don't I mean I've now recently gone to the beach after I've lost all this weight and mm -hmm. um, I'm more comfortable with you know putting on a swimsuit but I still was never going, I wasn't going out wearing caftans. I wasn't, um, it wasn't my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So it was just interesting now looking back that I decided to 
to work on a, on a clothing brand that really wasn't who I was inside. Was it difficult for you growing up being um, a woman of color and, and, and was it a struggle with your weight? Yes. Yes, it was difficult. It was, it's still something I struggle with. The weight is still something that I struggle with. What I see in the mirror is not what everyone else sees when they meet me. Mm-hmm. Um, I see someone who uh, is much more, it's hard, it's hard to like verbalize, but I just don't, I, you know, I know in my mind that I am, you know, like a pretty girl that has a nice little shape and I can go into a store and usually find something that fits and put it on and buy it if I want it. um, So I know that, but what I see and feel depending on the day is not necessarily the person that everyone sees. That's, you know, I think people assume that, you know, oh, that's a pretty girl. She's so happy. Everything must be great. And that's not necessarily the case. So, yeah, you certainly do not know what what struggles people are facing right, or exactly. carrying or what experiences they've had in the past um, that have impacted, you know, their experience to date. Uh, how did you how did you get through that as a, you know, as a, as a young woman growing up? You know, I think when I went to college was really when I started um, to feel more comfortable with who I was as in, as a whole, like my body, my ethnicity. Um, in New Orleans, when I was growing up, because I was born in the, you know, I was a kid of the 80s, so everything was black and white. It wasn't, you know, like it is now, where now we see Beyonce's and we see Rihanna's and all over social media. I mean, when I was growing up, I think I had Halle Berry, Rosario Dawson, you know, I'm trying to think of some more women of color that I would watch on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, frequently. Um, and then as far as like Hispanic women, I didn't really have many women to look up to either, at least from what I was watching. That was similar to what my friends were watching. Because keep in mind, when you're young, you want to do the same shit everybody else is doing. Of course. So if everyone, you know, is listening to fucking Mbop, then like, I'm going to listen to Mbop too. So I know the words and I'm not a loser who's like goes to the dance and doesn't know the fucking song. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I moved and went to college, uh, it was like my whole entire world had expanded. And it was, you know, people would come up to me and ask me if I was from Morocco or from, like, some other country that I never thought of, like, that I would look like anyone from there. You know, I just didn't, it didn't cross my mind. Um, I was always open to uh, everything, you know, cultural like you know like everything I was open and interested in all different cultures I just didn't have it what I didn't have like people in my school that were from these places Mm -hmm. that I could really communicate with and 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 learn more from um so going to a a place like Arlington Virginia which is really close to DC there are people from all over the world Mm -hmm. and it's uh and there's a lot of people from all over the world um, and I think being around so many different types of cultures and people and experiencing their, you know, I would go to a friend's house and it'd be like a traditional Pakistani dinner. Then I'd go to my Mexican friend's house and it'd be like a traditional, you know, like chicken mole and what other, whatever other, you know, dishes they were serving. So I just it blew my mind. Uh, and from then I just felt 
Like, I didn't have to choose which ethnicity I, I wanted to be. I didn't have to either be ultra Spanish, you know, ultra Cuban or ultra black or ultra whatever. I could just be K and fit in fine because in this city, people are, you know, all different. So, like, great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was at that point that I felt comfortable. And then from there is when I decided to start working on my, you know, physical appearance. And then I just, you know, ate a little less, moved a little more, and and now we're here. <laughs> here we are. And has that um, experience impacted how you manage your business today? Oh, 100%. I um, am very conscious of of um, making sure that my store is inclusive. So whether that's my Instagram page, my website, I want to make sure that there are all different body types, all different shades of skin colors, all different ethnicities, um, all different personalities, because I want the, the, I want my store to be a place where you can find your own personal style. I don't want you to leave having my personal style because that's mine. I want you to leave and, and, and find your own. Even if you my store is a little out of your comfort zone, I guarantee you that there's one thing that I can put on you that you're going to be like, oh, this is me. Mm-hmm. And I like it. So I think growing up, not feeling like I could fit, like I fit in anywhere, I've created a place where I want everyone to feel like they can fit in. Um, and I'm conscious about that. Even to, you know, down to the women that I hire or whoever I hire at my shop, I like it to be a diverse group of people because I don't think that we can grow or learn or, or create really cool things if we're all the same. Absolutely. And I think it's really interesting because when, when did you open K's? I opened December of 2014. You opened in 2014 because, you know, now we're in a really interesting time mm-hmm. um, where diversity and inclusion has only really just come to the forefront. And, and it's really people are, are much more aware and there are much larger discussions being had. Yes. Um, I always say, okay, it's a little late, but better, yeah. better late than never. True. Um, so I think, you know, you were, you were ahead of the curve on that. And again, it, it speaks to your personal experience. That right. was That was your experience. And so you created a business based on that. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the challenges? What's, what's the biggest challenge that you face right now um, right as, as now, an entrepreneur? I So I um, have my shop and then I have my website. Mm-hmm. And right now my biggest challenge is, is getting my website really, you know, I want it to be a really good website. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it looks great. It's a great. If you go on there, it's so fun, www.shopkays.com. But um, the whole SEO thing yes. is what is it's fucking driving me nuts. <laughs> like it's I've hired I hired one firm, I ended up letting them go. It's something that's tricky for me because tech is not my forte. You're creative. Um, yeah, I'm creative. The only tech things that I'm good at are like picking a good iPhone case to match your outfit. So like <laughs> it's just not my thing. And when I you know talk to these different firms. Um, finding a firm to really understand my brand mm-hmm. is very difficult because my brand isn't something that um, it, it's not, they're not a lot of me's, mm-hmm. you know, like the K's brand is not something that there are a lot of, there aren't a lot of businesses like that. So um, 
it's easier to to do branding for like a sweet preppy store than it is to do branding for me. Mm-hmm. It just it just is. And um I also find that some of the firms that I've met with, you know, like they won't even bring a, a woman to to meet with me, which mm. to me, I'm like, well, then you're not going to understand my brand at all if you don't even bring. You brought three guys to my shop <laughs> who have all stated to me that you know nothing about fashion. How is that going to encourage me to right. hire you thinking that you can do this if you have, like, come to my shop and admitted that you know nothing about fashion? Right. You know, like, right. Um, also trying to to – judge the level of success an SC or any kind of like tech firm I hire has with me is hard for me. Like mm-hmm. I I think SEO, the idea of it to me is like very vague. Mm-hmm. So uh you know when I when I meet with a firm and I say, okay, so um if I have you for six months, will I get my investment back? Right. And they're all like, yeah, you know, but it's, you know, it's not like a you can't really gauge it that way. It can, it might, you might get your return on your investment in six months, or maybe it's 12 months, or maybe it's 16 months. It's like I don't ever get a, a, a solid answer. Mm-hmm. I don't just get like, yeah, here is the guideline, and you'll see we're doing well if this, you know, thing, this graph goes up. Mm-hmm. And um, once the graph is up, then, you know, in six months, you'll definitely have your return on your investment. Then all you have to do is, is add, you know, two more points here and two more points here. Maybe you raise your fee and now you, you know, you're successful and your website's doing great. That's not how, like, that's not what they'll do with me. They just, I don't know. I really hate SEO. I feel like I'm talking in circles. <laughs> well, I, I hate it. I think it's funny because I, I am also the least tech savvy millennial you will ever meet. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just so... can't get my shit together. <laughs> you can and you do have your shit together, but we all have our, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Tech and SEO happens to be one of my weaknesses as well. Yeah. And I've actually, I'm, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because, you know, we talk about challenges and a lot of times they're deep and they, you know, we get pretty dark here in the distillery. Oh, I can go deep. <laughs> but... Don't you worry. We can go real deep like someone's going to cry. <laughs> but this is just the one that. Keeps your mind. Really is frustrating me right now. But I'm glad. I'm, there, there is time for us to go deep. But I'm glad you brought it up because I actually think this is a pain point for a lot of creatives. Um, and it may just it may not be something that's, that's talked about a lot. Um, because you have you have a brand, right? You have a thing that you create, uh, a product, whatever it may be. Um, and that's great and that's beautiful. But you also need processes and techniques to bring that brand to people's eyes. Um, and so SEO um, and, and, and these tech and these digital marketing um, techniques, I think, are a challenge for a lot of creatives because they just don't know where to start. Right. Um, so there may be someone who is listening and is saying, yes, I, I, I have that problem, too. Um, I can actually recommend a, a couple of um, just resources for you, and, you know, we'll, we'll include them there. Um, on the link for this episode as well. Um, but I can recommend some folks to you because it sounds like you're having trouble finding an agency that understands your brand and mm-hmm. then also really explaining to you what the return on investment it is and what the process is going to be. Right. Um, so so it's good to know. I'm also glad to know I'm not the only one no, <laughs> struggling. It's like a it's like it's horrible for me. But back to the dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get dark. 
Have you had any moments in this going on now for four years mm-hmm. you've been in business? Any moments where you've just thought to yourself, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Eight million times. <laughs> One, I think a person that starts their own business has to be a little crazy um, because why else would you do it? Because it's insane. It's so much work. You never turn it off. You, you know, I'm saying that to say that I almost every other day I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? Why don't I just, you know, apply to be like a Neiman Marcus buyer, move to fucking Dallas, be boring with big, you know, pom-pom earrings and like, you know, you know, turquoise jewelry and like call it a day and like make a lot of money and you know, chill. But mm-hmm. no, I didn't decide to do that. Decided to not have a 401k and to not have like health insurance health insurance or mm-hmm. anything that, uh, you know, I, I don't get to, you know, when you do your taxes, I don't get to get like a money back like everybody else does. Whatever the fuck <laughs> that shit is, like that. I don't get to do that, <laughs> which sucks. So everyone's like, oh, what are you doing with your taxes? I'm like, no, nah, I'm paying them. Yeah. They get nothing. So actually pay them back. You know, it's uh, but like the actual I've had a few real deep moments. One was after about a few months after I opened my shop, um, the sewage and water board started doing construction on Magazine Street in Jefferson Avenue. I did not know that when I acquired the building. Um, So it completely stopped all of my foot traffic. They stopped all traffic. They had to reroute businesses because they were, you know, ripping up the streets. And it was like I had this great Christmas. I opened up at Christmas time. I did awesome. And then February hit and it was nothing. Uh-huh. And it was just nobody. And and I'd ask people in the city and I'd get no answers. I was legit freaking out. I mean, I just knew I was going to be closed in another month and, like, didn't know what I was going to do. What did you do? I, one, I was driving around one day, and around the corner there was a house that always had a bubble machine out. Um, So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to buy a bubble machine, and I'm going to put it on a table and sit it outside my store and see if that, you know, if anyone looks at it. So I put it out, and then you'd see someone walk down the sidewalk and their dog would be obsessed with it and so then she'd look in the shop and then she'd walk in and say you know oh your bubbles brought me in here I really don't want to shop but you know like I guess I might as well and then she'd buy something and then you know it would be some guys would walk by the shop and then see the bubbles and then their wives would come in a few hours later Um, so I knew that that was I knew getting people's attention on the street, like actual cars, getting them because they the thing was is they stopped the traffic, so only one lane could go, and then they'd stop the red light, then you know, then the cross section would go. But you could never have two lanes going at one time. Mm-hmm. So people were parked in front of my shop for like two minutes at a time. So I figured, do some crazy windows. And by crazy, I mean like flashing lights. And, you know, like just crazy mannequins that look insane, Um, you know, try and just get people to look. Mm -hmm. Then they'll come in eventually because they're going to be like, what the fuck is this crazy place? I got to check it out. 
You know, there's bubbles and these mannequins and the lights, and it's crazy town. I want to go see. Mm-hmm. And that's what people started doing. And um, so that was one of the things I did with the street. I also reached out to the Sewage and Water Board, started reaching out to all the different businesses that were on my on my block and then the following block, the 5400 block and the 5500 block of magazine. And I got as many people as I could to come to these meetings with me. I had different um, like city council members come and talk to us to try and figure out what we could do. Ultimately, nothing happened, um, and that wasn't successful. But I did – it was a way for me to be more creative. Yes. So I worked on, on like, my windows, my bubbles, my Instagram, like, anything that I could do to just get people's attention. Because I know once you get your attention, like, it's only a matter of time till you come in. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It sounds like you got creative and you yeah. started thinking of creative uh, ways to solve the problem. Yeah. Which, in essence, is what entrepreneurs do. Yeah. So out of those 8 million times that you have asked mm. yourself, what am I doing? Why mm-hmm. am I doing it? Why? Why do you continue? Because there's nothing else in the world that I would want to do. There just isn't. Like... I just, I can't, I can't, like, close my eyes and envision myself not doing this. I can envision myself doing it in other places. I can envision, but I can't see my life without my business or having a business. There's something so gratifying about it being mine. You know, sometimes I'll call my dad or he'll call me and be like, what you doing? And I'll say, oh, I'm headed to my shop. And he says, Man, you know how many people wish they could say that? And I love it when those moments happen because it's true. And not everyone can say that, you know. I used to be the girl looking in, and now I'm the girl inside. People are looking in my window being like, one day I'm going to do that. And, you know, with all the heartaches and with all all the bullshit that, that I've dealt with, like, I'm still doing it. So... You know, um, we were talking about it on our way up here um, that one of your managers wasn't feeling well. And so you, you know, had to come in because that's the thing when you are a shop owner and a business owner, um, a lot of people think it's glamorous. And, you know, you see the Instagram and the social media. Oh, yeah, the- you look cute on that with, <laughs> you know, with your crop tops and your selfie poses. And yes, people don't they don't realize that, you know, to all the girls that work for me. I can do everything you can do here. Mm-hmm. I have swept he in, in every corner in this store. I have cleaned every cobweb in this store. I have bled in this store. I have cried in this store. I've been yelled at and I've yelled at people in mm-hmm. this store. I've done it all. Mm-hmm. So, like, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. Mm-hmm. So I've got to be able to do all of those things. Now, I might have a little issue at the register sometimes because I don't do it as often as the girls do. But, you know, I make it work. Those point of sales can be tricky. You know, they can. <laughs> but tech, like I said, tech's not my thing. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, like, it's annoying sometimes. I, you know, I had to cancel my hair appointment and mm-hmm. all that. But at the same time, you know, like, this is why I don't apologize for what I have. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm not apologizing to anybody or or or... Having to, I'm not going to make, you know, excuses for certain things that I have or for the time that I might take off if I decide, you know what, I'm taking off this half a half a day. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I might t- leave the shop at 3, but that doesn't mean I'm not working at 3 a.m. 
It doesn't mean that I'm not doing all those other things. So, you know, you've got to sacrifice stuff, but I also get a really awesome pay payout, I feel like. Not financially since, yeah. you know, I'm still a new business and no one makes that much in the beginning. No, but, you don't. Uh, the payoff by that, I mean, like, you know, having the freedom to do yes. certain things. I, today, having the freedom to close up my shop for a few hours to come and do this interview with you. And then I just go back to work. Mm-hmm. So... You got to love your business. Got to. You got to love it on the good days and the bad days. Yeah. Um, so what is, what's the hardest thing that you have faced so far as a new young business owner? <sighs> the hardest thing is that I don't have a shop owner mentor. Hmm. Um, I think one of the, there have been, you know, different points. Parts or points in my life where I've had some up and down moments personally, and I had to figure out how to handle that and juggle my shop at the same time. I was, you know, um, I was in a, a an abusive relationship for a very long time, and when that kind of shit hit the fan, I didn't have like a friend or 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 someone else that worked in the in this industry that knew how to balance that and knew how to like. That could help me or show me how to balance that kind of situation. Um, uh, so, or like on a day when, you know, no one's coming in your shop and and you don't know what to do because it's been two full days and not one person has walked through the threshold of your door, you know, or whatever that's called. Uh, I didn't have like, oh, you know what, I'm going to call Susie who owns that great shop down the street, and I'm going to see what she does at these moments. Or, you know, just call her and tell her, you know, I don't know how to do these books. I don't know what this word means. Um, all of those things I've had to just kind of figure out on my own. So I am, uh, have lots of scrapes and, and scars and from, you know, having to pick myself up and just do it myself. Uh, being, being lonely is probably a very hard thing, too, because people don't understand the uh they don't everyone if you're not a business owner then you don't understand you know the emotional toll that you like what type of emotional toll you 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 have from owning a business Mm -hmm. it's not just exhausting mentally but it's exhausting emotionally and physically and because you put everything in it Mm -hmm. your whole entire life like everything so you know someone might come in and say Oh, you know, I would have done a different light fixture. And and for most people, you hear that and you're like, wow, they're just suggesting something different. But to you, the person who picked it out, you want to cry because you're like, but I took so much time thinking of this. Like, you're supposed to love it, you know, because you t- and you take everything personally, you know, because you think it's about it you. Mm-hmm. Um, because, it, you know, essentially my shop is an extension of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have, you know, an, an extreme attention to detail. and. You know, like, I don't know. It was just hard not having someone to fall back on to just, you know, give me some pointers. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have a lot of business owner friends, but in the fashion world, I don't, especially in this city. So um, that was hard, I think. We got to find you a mentor. I know. I do have a great mentor. It's just she doesn't work in the fashion industry. A shop, a specifically someone in your... In my field. Yes. That would be awesome. If anyone's listening out there. Seriously. (laughs) But, you know, that's something I I hear from a lot of entrepreneurs is that um, 
you take everything personal as a yeah. as a as an entrepreneur because your your business is it is so much of you. Right. It is an, an extension of you. And it's almost um like you have to get to a certain point where you can separate the, the two, where you can receive the feedback in a constructive way. Right. Um, but also be able to separate it for your own sanity and you know, for your own emotional health. Right. Um so you're definitely not alone in that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why we're here. Um, what what advice would you give to a to a young K or um, you know to a young woman specifically who may aspire to open up a a similar business? Hmm. Okay. What is some you advice? You can think about it if you need to. Okay. Oh, there's so many things that I would advise a younger me. Uh, one would definitely be like photo, like especially if you're in retail, like know the Instagram game. Mm-hmm. Like that is, I've made more money on in like of people seeing my Instagram page and coming in to buy stuff than I have on a website. Like I get. And it's because I, I, I it, our, our Instagram is so well branded, and, um, and I think people know that it's authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is so important in retail because it's so visual, and, um, and so I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and the photographs are key. And the photographs, that. yeah. Um, photographs. And you don't have to have. I mean, and I, all my photographer friends, I love y'all. Y'all are amazing. But I don't have a photographer on staff. Mm-hmm. I use my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, we have a DSL camera or whatever the fancier cameras are. We use that. But we don't, like, we don't do anything fancy. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have hair and makeup and all this. Like, you really don't. Mm-hmm. So I, I, there are ways to cut costs and all of that um, and still have a very strong Instagram account. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, I think, you know. Raising capital is important. Budgeting. I wish, like I said, I don't do everything like in the normal path. I like to make things complicated. Um, And I wasn't great with money when I opened up. So, you know, I spent a lot of money where I shouldn't have and didn't spend enough money in the places where I should have. And uh, I think having a full understanding of account, like not like being an accountant, but just knowing how to to do your books is very important because, you know, if you spend too much in the fall, now you don't have enough for winter, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's a whole thing. And also if you can't budget well, then when you're not making a lot of money in August, because August is bullshit for anybody in New Orleans because it's so hot and no one's here. Like, so if you don't know how you're budgeting, then you might've spent all your Christmas money like all the money you made throughout fall and Christmas, then it's all gone, and now you're fucked because now it's August and you have no, you know, money in your mm-hmm. reserve. So mm-hmm. that was it was tricky my first year for me, yeah. um, and I learned the hard way, and I, you know, I fixed it and now I'm more organized. But you know, I have to work. That's something I have to work on and I struggle with. Like I have to go on Linda and you know do bookkeeping one hundred and one. Like I do those things. 
Me too. Yeah. I mean, like, or I'm on YouTube, like, how to do a budget. Like, that's me. So sometimes when people come up and be like, so tell me about your POLs or profit and loss. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. I, I have to Google it first. Then I'll give you the numbers and then I'll let you know. Like, I'm slow. Also, don't be afraid to ask anything. I will never forget one time I was at market and this clothing brand that I was trying to buy from said that I could order sticks. And I didn't know what the fuck she meant because that's some term that a lot of people in the industry have been using, but I didn't know what it meant. So finally, just I was like, you know, I know this sounds stupid, but what are sticks? And she's like, oh, it just means you're ordering one of each size. And I just thought, God, that was so simple. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is ask. Because mm-hmm. there's so many times that I've been around people and accountants and and bankers and all different types of people that just seem so smart and it's so intimidating for me. And they're saying all these big, big words and I don't want to ask. So now I'm trying to use context clues and trying to figure out what they're saying. And I still don't know what was mm-hmm. going on when all I could have said was, excuse me, I don't really know what that means. Mm-hmm. Could you explain it to me again? Yeah, just not being afraid to ask. Just not being afraid. Yep. I mean, yeah, I think actually probably not being afraid. Just feel the fear and do it anyway. Like it. Yeah. And finally, what's Kay's mantra or mantra? What words are you living by these days? Oh, our slogan is don't hate. Hashtag don't hate. Love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, like, don't, you know, don't hate yourself. Don't hate the people around you. If you see some lady and you think she looks crazy, well, you know what? She's having a good day. So don't hate. (laughs) Or maybe she's having a bad day. Or maybe she's having a shitty day. (laughs) I don't know. But, like, leave her alone. Yeah. You know, so don't hate. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Kate. Thanks for having me. So good to sit down and talk with you. Yeah.